Awesome work, mate. Well done. Did well. Good. (coughs) 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 Microphone's on. Look at that. Can I get a bottle of water again? Is that all right? That'd be great. (coughs) Oh, coughing everywhere. What's going on? Uh, Good morning. All right, you might want to open your Bibles to John chapter 16. Um, I'm really looking forward to speak to you this morning. It's going to be good fun. Uh, and more importantly, do you remember um, yesterday, I talked about that when we come to the Scriptures, we should be expectant. So I hope you're expecting God to work. I hope you've been praying for that last night, this morning, now. I hope you're praying that God will work in your hearts today. Um, I just got a, uh, an SMS from some good friends, uh, and they just said they're praying for me right now, which is great, and they, and they pointed me to a psalm, and, they, and the psalm talks about waiting for God expectantly to speak. So I, I'm, I'm really excited by that. I hope that God will speak to us this morning, and I expect that to happen. Uh, I wanted to say, just because I, this is my last talk, so I just want to thank you uh, for having me at Ancon. I've really appreciated that. I've really enjoyed the chance to serve, uh, serve each of you and uh, looking forward to see some of you around at 2.45 and sort of do some dreaming for our city and see what we might ask God to do as we pray together. So I um, just want to say thanks. I'm heading home today to, back to my wife and son, which I'm really looking forward to do. Uh, I'm going to pray now. We're going to get started and uh, we're going to see what God would have say to us today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for this conference and the way we've been able to um, come together and learn so much together. We pray, Lord, that uh, you would please work in our hearts today. Lord, may these next 30 minutes uh, be a time where you press home your truths to us. Lord, we, um, I particularly pray for any of those here who uh, don't know you. Lord, I pray, Father, that they would see more and more of you today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It is easy being a Christian at annual conference. It is. It is so, so easy being a Christian at annual conference. I'll tell you why, right? You are surrounded by 599 other Christians or people who are at least open and happy about you being a Christian. And it is just so easy being a Christian at annual conference because this, friends, is not the world. It's funny, you know, because when you get, by the time you get to this part of the conference, after a week-long conference, uh, you kind of start forgetting that this is not reality. 
I don't want to pop anyone's bubbles too soon. I mean, we, you know, we're not there yet. We're not the end yet. But you know what? This is not real. This is not the real world. This is a, a funny kind of time when all these Christians kind of gather. And it's just so easy being a Christian. It's easy being excited by God. But the world, do you remember that place that we all came from a few days ago? <laughs> People out there aren't like this. This is not the world. And in not too long from now, we're heading back to that place. How are we going to deal with that? How are we going to think about that? You know, I really want to remind us, I mean, this really is not the world. I mean, I'll tell you what, last night, I mean, last night was fun. We had a great time. Did, did anyone, who went to the, to the, what do you call it, RaveCon? Who went to RaveCon? What? What? That was awesome. We had fun. I was there. I was loving it. I was moving it on the dance floor and um, having lots of fun busting out the moves while our other speaker was doing deep theological work in the corner. I was moving it, Rowan Kemp. Where were you? So we, we were there. And we, <laughs> and, uh, we were there and we we're moving it and I was loving it. I was having so much fun. It was such a, you know, it, was a, it wasn't a rave party. It was a Christian rave party, right? What's a, what is a Christian rave party? We we're there and we we're moving it and like, um, you know, everyone was just having lots of fun. There was no uh, alcohol. There was no weird broken glass on the floor. There was, you know, there was no cigarette smell. It wasn't a rave party. You know, at one point when I, at one point when I was dancing, there was this guy, a friend of mine, and we were dancing, and he was just being a, 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 a crazy Christian, and we we're there, and we we're dancing, and we we're going, what, what, what? And he goes, in the middle of it, he goes, Jesus, Jesus, what, 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 Jesus? And I'm thinking, this is not a rave party. You try, what is going? You try doing that at the next rave club, you go and see how fast the bouncers come and take you out, man. That would be good. Actually, that wouldn't be bad. We should all descend on a rave party one night and go, Jesus, Jesus. This is not the world. This is just a bunch of Christians getting together and we all live not here at Maru, thankfully. <laughs> we live in the world and that is where all of us are going back to. And let me just kind of, if I can, if it's all right with you, I'm just going to keep popping the bubble here, right? Here it is. Um, in many ways, we, I mean, we've talked up the numbers here, which is great, right? 600. I mean, this is wonderful. Let me not take that away. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful work, right? Um, you know, 220 in my time. We broke the record. 600. What is this? It's huge. Let me pop the bubble a little bit. 600. Your mission field is Sydney University. You ready for this? How many students are we talking about trying to reach? There's 600 Christians here. Ready? 24,500 full-time undergraduate students. You get that? Like, I feel the what now. Ready? Here we are, 600. 24,500. Most of which are not spending an eternity with Jesus. 600. This is not the world. <laughs> Let's push that a little further. I don't know how you're going at how many, how many really deep, meaningful friendships you have with people who aren't Christian. I struggle with that in terms of how many I can hold because I'm so busy doing church stuff all the time, living in sometimes, I feel like my world's been reduced to this Christian ghetto where I kind of just hang out with Christians. Let's say, you're, let's say you're pretty good. Let's say you're really good at this and you, get, you manage to get two 
re- I don't mean just no two non- people who aren't Christian, but I mean you're in a deep relationship, meaningful relationship with two people who don't know Jesus. Maybe you're really good. Maybe three. How about four? You reckon you've you got four that you, you catch up with regularly? Let's say those four. Say all of you manage to change your timetables around such that you can hang out with four people who don't know Jesus really and you can hang out with them a lot. Guess what that means, right? Do you know how many people we are connecting with with the hope of sharing them the news about Jesus, right? Let me do some maps. You would not, we would not even be reaching 2,500 people. Are you with me? That's overwhelming, isn't it? 24,500 people. All of you guys go out, grab four non-Christian friends, spend all your time with them, and we get to 2,500. That is just overwhelming. How are you feeling with that stat? No, seriously, do you, are we starting to feel small again? How are you feeling? How are we going to deal with that? And today, Jesus' teaching is about the Holy Spirit's role in evangelism. And he's got a word to say to you and a word to say to me, as he had a word to say to his followers, his disciples, about how to feel under this overwhelming kind of news that the world is against us, that the world, that we are so small. What does Jesus tell us about the Holy Spirit's role in evangelism? What does he tell us about the Holy Spirit's role in evangelism? Two things. Um, If you're writing things down today, there's going to be two halves of the sermon. Um, Well, maybe kind of three. There's an application at the end, but here we go. The first bit is this. The first role that the Holy Spirit has in evangelism is this. The Holy Spirit testifies to Jesus. The Holy Spirit testifies to Jesus. And he testifies to Jesus in three ways. You might want to listen out for them. The first one is this. The Holy Spirit testifies to Jesus in the face of hostility. In the face of hostility. Let me keep pushing that thing before. You know, I did the numbers game with you and kind of, we all kind of freaked out a bit and realized how small we are. It's not, that's not, it's not only that that, it's overwhelm, that is overwhelming. It's not only the sheer numbers that is overwhelming, but it's also the hostility. Yeah? It's also the hostility that our university campus has about Christians. So I'm not sure, I, I think from when I heard this, this magazine is still out, the Onisoir magazine, right? They love having a go at Christians. You read carefully, read between the lines. They may not always do it blatantly, they may sometimes, but they just ridicule it. It's a widely read magazine, the campus. How do you feel with that kind of hostility? My wife was talking to me on the phone last night, and she, she did her first year at Sydney University before she went to a far less, less superior university called New South Wales Uni. And she, and she went to the University of Sydney for the first year, and she said she, did her, she enrolled in the arts degree. And um, she was in doing arts. She said, you know, she said she kept hearing lecturers and philosophy lecturers and stuff just ridiculing what she believes. Should we be surprised when this stuff happens? Jesus says that the world will hate him. Have a look at this. Imagine this. Jesus got his disciples around him and he says this, chapter 15, verses 18 to 20. Okay, I want you to feel the way to this. Remember, they're already reeling from shock because Jesus is leaving. And he says this, just to kind of make it a bit more happy for them. Not Here we go. 
John chapter 15, verse 18 to 20. He says this, If the world hates you, and they're going, great, this is good, we've lost our leader and the world hates us. If the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of it, the world hates you. Remember the word I spoke to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. Jesus says the world will hate him and not only will the world hate him, but the world will hate his followers. Are you a follower of Jesus? Guess what Jesus just said? It feels so overwhelming. And I'm sure the disciples would have felt absolutely overwhelmed as well. They would have been overwhelmed. I mean, at least when we hear that news, you know, <laughs> the world hates us. I mean, at least we can look around and like, well, at least 600 of us. Like, let's kind of hang together, you know. It's, they look around, there's 12. Okay? Can you imagine how they're feeling? The world hates them, says Jesus. They are feeling overwhelmed, which is why right sandwiched in between two sections where Jesus talks about this. He talks about this quite extensively, you know. He talks about what, what I've just read to you. And then, in fact, if you, if you look down at 16 verse 1, he goes on again. He talks about this persecution that's going to happen to the disciples. But sandwiched right in the middle is what the disciples are to hang on to. And is what we're to hang on to too. Chapter, 15, uh, chapter 15 verse 26. Jesus says this, in the, in, the, in the world of all this overwhelming world, he says this, When the counsellor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. He will testify about me. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about this, um, the one way you can... Has anyone read the whole Gospel of John from start to end? I feel great. You should. You should have a go, man. And it's really, it's really great. You should have a go. Read the Gospel of John all the way through. And do you know one uh, great way to think about how the Gospel of John works um, is this. There's an interesting way you can do it. It's, it's wonderful. It, some, some people believe that the Gospel of John is written as one big trial, like as in a courtroom trial. And it's interesting. As you read it through, the first half of John's Gospel, um, it appears that Jesus is on trial. There's a lot of kind of courtroom language and, and convicting language and accusing language. It appears that the world is putting Jesus on trial, obviously culminating in that big trial and where he ends up being sentenced to death. And the second half of John's Gospel, it actually flips around. It's beautiful. It's, very, it's a beautiful piece of work, John's Gospel. It flips around and the world gets put on trial. So the Holy Spirit testifies to Jesus in this, in this big, great trial, and that's why it's like a courtroom language, kind of like a witness in the great trial of Jesus, with the second, reason, second way the Holy Spirit testifies to Jesus. First one, he testifies to Jesus in the face of hostility, and he testifies to Jesus in the great trial of Jesus. I read this um, article uh, recently in the newspaper. It was, it was a pretty crazy article, man. There's a guy called uh, Andrew Mallard, and this was nuts, man. He was this, the, the article was uh, talking about what happened to him in this courtroom, uh, in his court case. This guy has had a really tough run. He's been in jail, right? Do you know what for? Nothing less than murder. 
in jail for murder for how long? Three years? Five years? Twelve years. Jail, jail for murder for 12 years when they found out that he was wrongly accused. And he came out, the whole court case was about how much compensation he might need. How much compensation would you want for 12 years back of your life? You see, the problem for him was that when the court case was going on 12 years back, there was no witness. There was no one to stand up and testify and say, no, he's in the right. And you know what the Holy Spirit does? The Holy Spirit does that with Jesus. The world is putting Jesus on trial. They are pointing their fingers at Jesus. And they are saying, Jesus is wrong. He's not who he claimed to be. And they have accused him wrongly, and they ultimately put him to death. And the Holy Spirit acts as the witness, the great testifier in that courtroom scene. The Holy Spirit will come and he will say, look at Jesus. You want to look at Jesus? He is not wrong. You were wrong. Jesus is right. And how will the Holy Spirit do this testifying work? Here's the third thing to write write down. The Holy Spirit will testify to Jesus through his followers. Even though the link's not explicit there in the verses, I think it's it's implicit. Uh, If you read the verses there, you'll see that the Holy Spirit... Uh, in verse 26, uh, verse 27, the Spirit of truth proceeds from the Father. He will testify about me. Verse 27, you also will testify because you have been with me from the beginning. How does the Holy Spirit do this testifying work of Jesus? He does that through his followers. He empowers his disciples. He empowers us to do this testifying work. I think this is one of the wonderful things about what happens in Pentecost, right? In Acts chapter 2, you find out that the Holy Spirit descends on the church. And what do they do? Immediately, they go and they testify about Jesus. In their immediate surrounds and to the ends of the earth. Do you realize that the Holy Spirit is to do his testifying work amongst you? His testifying work at the campus of Sydney Uni through 600 people. Have you been praying and inviting the Holy Spirit to do his testifying work through you? That would be a great thing to do. To invite him to do that through you. This is a really encouraging verse to realize that the Holy Spirit will continue, will testify. You know, it might look like we're being squashed, but you can't stop the Spirit. He will testify about Jesus. So moving on, the Holy Spirit will testify, which is kind of like a more, I think, in the the realm of proclamation, that Jesus is right. But there's something else that needs to happen beyond that, isn't there? I mean, like, I can get up here and I can, because I've been at annual conference for a little while now, I can say, I can testify up here and I can say, annual conference has been great. And I can do everything I can to keep telling you that. Annual conference has been great. It's been great. But it, you will only, that, that's only half the job, right? Because it takes 
there's one thing for me for you to say, yeah, I've heard it's great, but for you to be convicted yourself that it's great, that's another thing. And so for people to hear that Jesus is right, that's great, but there needs to be conviction. People's hearts need to change. Who's going to do that work? Well, fortunately, the Holy Spirit has another role, which is the second big heading. It's this, the Holy Spirit convicts. He convicts. There's two points under this. The Holy Spirit convicts first the world. The Holy Spirit convicts the world. Do you know the world, this con- the, 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 the phrase the world is a really, really important phrase in the book of John. Ready? 57 times it's used. 57 times it's used. And every time it's used, I mean, can you think of a verse that maybe has used the word the world? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Every time the word, the, the phrase the world is used, I'll tell you what the world is referring to. The world is, that, that phrase is referring to the sphere of people who do not believe in Jesus. The sphere of people who do not believe in Jesus. And what does the Holy Spirit do with regards to the world? He convicts the world of their unbelief. Come with me to chapter 16, verses 8 to 11. Tricky verses, uh, but fantastic verses here. Have a look at this. Uh, 16, verses 8 to 11. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world, right? So who's he talking about? The people who don't believe in Jesus. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. Keep reading with me. He will convict the world about sin because they do not believe in me. He will convict the world about righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me. And he will convict the world about judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. Here's a few things to, to, to unpack that a little. Firstly, the Holy Spirit will convict the world of their unbelief and he will convict the world of their sin of unbelief. You know, some, I'm not sure what you think of when you think of, when you think of sin, right? Sin, normally you would think, is something that you do. right? It's something that you do against God. But I think here it's interesting because the sin here is something of something that you don't do. The sin here is of not doing something, of not believing, of not believing. Ultimately, the sin is a sin of unbelief in Jesus and who he's claimed to be. I want to ask a question this morning. It's a, it's, a, it's a pointed one. Are you someone sitting here in this room who needs to believe that Jesus really is who he says he is? Jesus, in no uncertain terms, has claimed to be Lord, King. Do you believe that? Are you someone who is right with him? Or are you someone who is still here in unbelief? Are you someone here who desperately needs to be right with him? Who needs righteousness? Which is the next bit. He will convict the world about sin because they do not believe in me, about righteousness because I'm going to the Father and you will no longer see me. Friends, you know what the Holy Spirit will do? The Holy Spirit will remind you that Jesus 
isn't dead. Jesus has made some big claims. You've heard some of them this whole, this whole week. I mean, he's made major claims. He's claimed, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's saying all of it, all of that saving work that the Father does has to come through me, says Jesus. These are huge claims. Can I say this? If Jesus did not rise from the dead, those claims are a load of rubbish. If you here today can get up and prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that the resurrection did not happen, then feel free to stay in your unbelief. And I'll join you. The Holy Spirit will remind you that Jesus isn't dead. Because he will remind you that Jesus is going to the Father, that Jesus was ultimately right. Here's the third one. Judgment. The Holy Spirit will convict the world of judgment. Do you know another way to think about the world is this? Do you know that the world is held captive by the father of lies, by Satan? And the Holy Spirit's role is to convict the world of judgment. Have a look at that verse in verse 11. With regards to judgment, because the ruler of this world, Satan, has been judged. You know, judgment happens, is happening at a cosmic level here. In the death and resurrection of Jesus, a whole new world order has commenced and Satan has been beaten. And this is the Holy Spirit's work to be convicting the world of their unbelief. What does this, thing, what does this mean for us? The Holy Spirit is a testifier. He's, a, he's someone who convicts the world. What does this mean for us? Here's the first group of people that I need to talk to this morning. Are you someone who is not a follower of Jesus? Are you someone who is not a follower of Jesus? Perhaps you're someone here who kind of got dragged along to the annual conference. And you're thinking, what am I doing here? That was a very weird rave party. <laughs> what am I doing here? Perhaps you're someone um, who has been kind of hanging around church circles for a, a while. But you've kind of just been going through the motions. Friends, can I say this just really bluntly? You need to follow Jesus. The Holy Spirit's work as a testifier. I want to ask you, has the Holy Spirit been testifying to Jesus in your life this week? That is, has he been pointing to Jesus? Has he been showing you what Jesus has done for you? Do you know how much Jesus has done for you, friend? If you've heard this a million times too, just be excited by this again. And if you heard this for the first time, deal with this. Do you know how much Jesus has done for you? Jesus, you remember, I've, I talked about in my first talk, he's come to dwell with us. He came to dwell with us. He's done that for you. He's lived for you. He's died for you. He's been raised for you. And he sent his Holy Spirit for you. And I was thinking, is it weird that in a whole week, talking about the Holy Spirit, I'm ending up my last talk talking about Jesus. Well, it's not weird at all. 
Because this is what the Holy Spirit does. And I'm wondering, is he doing that in your life, pointing you to Jesus? Just recently, I, I went to Melbourne for the first time, actually. Uh, and um, I remember we're driving one night, uh, in the first night down in Melbourne, we're driving and we went uh, past the, what's the, I've now forgotten the name. What's the main, is anyone from Melbourne? Main train station, middle of Melbourne? Flinders. Flinders Station. And I'm not sure if you've seen that building. It's a beautiful building. Beautiful building. And the, the, I'll tell you why it's beautiful at night, right? These, I don't know how many, but there's, 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 the building is, is lit up by lights. It's beautiful, right? There's all these lights that have just gone, psh, right? And made the building look so glorious. And the point of it is, 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 if you're driving right, is to see the magnificence of the building, right? Can you imagine if you were driving along and you went, you're driving past Flinders Station, you go, wow, check out those spotlights, right? The little lights on the bottom of the floor. That's not where you want to be looking. You want to be looking at the glory of that building. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He goes, Psh, and he shows, sheds light on Jesus. Is there a light that has been turning on for you this week? Is there a light that has been turning on for you this week? If so, that is the Holy Spirit doing his testifying work in your life. Not only has he been doing, may he be testifying, doing his testifying work, but I've got this other question. Has he been convicting you? Has he been prompting you to turn to Jesus and to put your trust in him? Is that what's been happening this week? If that is for you, if that is what the Holy Spirit's been doing for you, can I, can I urge you? Go along with him. Go along with the Holy Spirit's work of bringing you to Jesus. There can be no better response leaving this annual conference than having the Holy Spirit enable you to say, Jesus is Lord. I found that testimony before from Michelle, was it? Just so encouraging. You know, She, she, she came to an annual conference last year and... and the Holy Spirit has done his convicting work in her life. Is that for you today? You know, as I get to the end of this talk, we're going to have a um, response time, um, just where we're going to be singing. We're going to sing the song, of, that song that we've been singing with the Holy Spirit, and the verse 2, I would like you to consider praying that as a prayer as you sing it. And if you want to come and talk to someone afterwards about that, and if you want to say, look, I, Jesus... I really want to do business with Jesus this week. I don't want to go home without fixing this kind of thing up. I'm going to encourage you to come down to the front of that stage just over here, and I'm going to have some of the staff workers down here to talk to you. And I'll come down too. I'd love to. I, ca I cannot wait to talk to anyone who the Holy Spirit is doing that kind of work in your life. So that's the first group we want to talk to. If you are someone who is not a follower of Jesus, you need to follow Jesus. The next group of people is this. If you are someone who has followed Jesus, what does it mean for us to have the, know that the Holy Spirit does his testifying and convicting work? This is what it means. It changes how you evangelize. It changes how you evangelize. It is the, let me just put it really plainly. It is the Holy Spirit's role to convict the world of their sin of unbelief, not yours. Do you get that? It is the Holy Spirit's role to convict the world of sin, of their sin of unbelief, not yours. Let me put it out there really strongly, right? I've used this verse before, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3. What did it say? Do you remember? No one can say Jesus is Lord, which is the gospel. That's the gospel line right there. 
That's what we want people to be saying. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Are you someone who has called on Jesus as Lord before? Guess what? Do you know why you did that? That had nothing to do with you. The Holy Spirit enabled you to call Jesus Lord. You know what else it means? It means that you can work as hard as you can. Do you know this? You can, do, you can be the smartest person in the evangelical union. You can have the answer to every hard question about Christianity you can. And you cannot get them across the line. You cannot get them and say, and get them to say, Jesus Christ is Lord. That's not you. You can't do that. That's not your job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict the world of their sin of unbelief. How does that truth that I've just explained to you, how does that land for you in the way you think about your friends who aren't Christian? What about that friend? What about that person you've been praying for for a long time? You know the ones? You know the ones you maybe even known from, from primary school or high school? The ones that still don't know Jesus. How do you think about them? This is a personal one for me. This is not a uni connection, but this is my father-in-law, right? He is a good man, but he's just we've talked about this stuff. Naomi's talked about this stuff to him for just forever, and he still doesn't believe. This pains us. What do I do? What do I think about? Well, what you do is this. You think about that truth and you remind yourself, it is not your job to convict those people. It's the Holy Spirit's work. The Holy Spirit will work in people's hearts until a person says, I'm wrong, I'm guilty, I need forgiveness. This is a really important truth that we can, some, it's very easy to slip into this dangerous place where we think it all depends on us. I've struggled with this in my, in my life um, Particularly, actually, if I, if I want to be up here and be very, very honest, um, with, the, uh, with the rice movement that I'm involved with running, we have these big youth rallies, right? There's like 4,000 young people there, and we, and we hope that there's stacks of non-Christians there, and we put this big plea out at the end. And I've had a real temptation to kind of be... I'm happy to stand up here and say, I, I've, been, I've had a real temptation to become real results-based, you know? To be real kind of, how many people can become Christian tonight? Come on, come on, come on. And I remember a conversation that really just changed my whole outlook on the whole movement, actually. I had a chat to Peter Jensen, who's the Archbishop of Sydney. And he was talking to me just the day of the rice, one of the rice nights. And he said, look, I want to talk to you about what you're going to say up front at the end when you call for an invitation. And I said, sure. And he said, I just reckon, he says, he just said very nicely, he said, I just reckon that when you get up front and you call for an appeal, he said, you've got to pick your words really carefully. Because you need to be teaching everyone there, including the people who are making the decision about what is happening in them at the moment, at that moment. He says, make sure you don't say, you know, come on, you can make the decision. He says, rather, he says, make sure you say something like this. For some of you, God is working in your hearts, turning you to him. If he's doing that, go along with that. We need to keep speaking that truth to each other to remind ourselves it is not you, it is not me who gets people across the line. It is the Holy Spirit. And so there are three applications of that truth I want to shoot at really fast. Here they are. First one is this. If you know that truth, write this word down. Ready? Relax. Okay, relax. Relax. 
if you know that truth, that the Holy Spirit's role is to convict the world, then here's the first point, relax. You are not, uh, you are not the primary evangelist. Do you know who the primary? The Holy Spirit is the primary evangelist to the world. And we are just kind of getting on board with his evangelism. And so relax. There are so many things we stress out about this. We kind of say, did we, did we say the right thing? Did I get them across the line? They didn't respond. Or you might say, I've never led anyone to Christ before. Relax. Chill out. It's the Holy Spirit who's doing the work. Here's the next thing you can write down, though. It's going to sound funny because it's going to sound the ex- almost exact opposite of what I just said. All right, so I've just said, relax, and now I'm going to say this. Go for it, right? Go for it. I'll tell you why you can go for it. If you know that the Holy Spirit is doing that convicting work, if that is his thing that he is doing, you know what that means? It's a real liberating feeling, right? The Holy Spirit's doing it. Go for it. Try stuff. Think of new ideas to reach the campus. Get involved. Start praying. Do it. Get involved. Do things. Go for it. Get out there. Be bold. Because the Holy Spirit's doing the work. We're on his team. Go for it. First thing, relax. Second thing, go for it. And the third thing and last thing I want to say is this. And I'm I'm really glad to end all my three talks on this one. If you know that the Holy Spirit is doing his work of convicting the world, surely... Surely the most important action we can be doing is this. I'm seeing people mouthed at me already, which is great. Pray. I'll get everyone written it. It has to be. Doesn't that have to be the main thing we do? How much are you praying? How much am I praying? How much are we praying for the campus, for our friends? Do you know why we need to pray? Because when you pray, you, in essence what you are doing is you are just depending on God and saying, God, it's just so overwhelming, but I am praying and saying, please do your thing. Please, just do your thing. My wife was talking about this also last night and she just said, you know, it is so good, she said, because you see, if you were just dependent on yourselves and you were praying, she said, this is I think what happens. She said, if you're just dependent on yourself, you probably pray for small things just in case you don't kind of get there it doesn't work out you know but you know what we are talking about god holy spirit the evangelist friends can i encourage you pray for big things seriously do, do you think god's shoulders aren't big enough to handle your big prayers go for it Twenty-four thousand five hundred people pray for them Pray that we see big things happen at this campus. Pray that the EU explodes. Pray that annual conference in how many years from now will be triple the size, full of people at the moment who don't know Jesus. Who Pray for big things. I think, I think some of you wrote now names of friends you were praying for. Is that right in your review group? Are you going to do that? What are you going to pray for? Are you going to give up on that person who you've just been trying to reach out for, for 10, 15 years? Pray for big things. Friends, as I close, I just want to say, look, it's just been so great speaking with you, but you know what, I, I yearn, just like I hope you do too, that God does an incredible work at Sydney University. It's such a great university, and we just need to pray that God might do a work of revival and bring many, many people to him at this place. We need to be praying about that.
In fact, today in our little session that I'm going to have, in a little fireside chat, I reckon we should spend a bit of time in prayer. And I might pray now, if that's okay. I'm going to pray two verses of that song that we're about to sing. First one is for those people here who need to know about Jesus, need to follow him. All right, that's the, I'm going to pray that verse. And then the, for the rest of us, I'm going to pray verse 3, which is a great verse. Here we go. Bow your heads with me and we'll pray. Firstly, for those of you who need to follow Jesus today, pray this. Oh, Father, God, Holy Spirit, come, bend us, uh, break us, till humbly we confess our need of Jesus. And Lord, then in your tenderness remake us and revive us and restore us. For this we plead. Heavenly Father, I just pray for those people. I pray, Lord, that for those people who are here today who just need to do business with you. I pray that your Holy Spirit, I pray boldly that your Holy Spirit would be doing a work in their life right now, testifying to Jesus, convicting them of their sin of unbelief. For the rest of us, Lord, we pray with the verse, verse 3 of this great song. We pray this. Revive us, Lord. Is zeal abating while harvest fields are vast and ripe? Revive us, Lord. The world, the campus, our friends, our families, they are waiting. Equip us, your church, to spread the light. Amen. Why don't we stand and sing? And we're going to sing O Breath of Life. And this is what we're going to do. After that, we're going to move straight into Worthy is the Lamb, which would be great to sing. Because you know where a great way to end, I mean, towards the end of the conference of the Holy Spirit is to be singing about Jesus, right? And so for some of you, you might be able to sing that song for the first time, truly, as Jesus is your Lamb and the one who is truly worthy. So don't forget, if you are someone who wants to respond to Jesus, come after or even during, if you want, that song, Worthy is the Lamb, up to the front right-hand corner. I'm going to come up and give you a few instructions about that again at the end, just in between the songs. So I'll just stand on the side for now. Let's sing, O Breath of Life, and let's sing it as a prayer, and then let's sing, Worthy is the Lamb together.